Thanks for listening to Middle Aged and Mediocre. I'm Cash. I'm Joel. And uh, we are a podcast about all things strange and unusual, death and UFOs, and other creepy, Cults, weird, random ghosts. stories. There you go. Yeah. No, uh, I'm just naming things in the room. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a cult of ghosts. <laughs> Oh, that's not the start of it. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. I think that's the start of it. I think that's how that we're going to go. That was episode. just me getting getting up for it. Uh, I mean, we listened to New Edition for a while, and you're just uh, still in the. Yeah. You know, you're back in those days. That heartbreak, uh, heartbreak hotel album. That, yeah. yeah, yeah. We hotel heartbreak or something like that. You are listening to Middle Age <laughs> Mediocre. Uh, thank you again. Uh, real quick, before we get into anything, that was the start. Yeah, we're starting, man. All right, we're going. Because we already did, we have the intro. I just had played. the music in in me. Yeah, I had to get you just gotta out. Let it out. I yeah. told you, man. You need to see you start dancing. <laughs> just be free. We with talked it. about that. Yeah. Yeah, I told you. Just dance wherever you feel like dancing. Just dance. Except for here in my room right now. I, I won't. All right. We're trying to record a podcast. Okay. And I'd appreciate it if you were professional. As soon as we're done, I'm dancing. As soon as, as, soon as we're done, as soon as I stop recording, bust a move. I'm I'm dancing with my eyes. They're blinking around. You do look like you're on something. <laughs> well, well. You, uh, <laughs> Uh, well. So, hey, before we really get into anything, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcast, please make sure... Ooh, you, aren't you special? Uh, can you not be a dick to the people <laughs> listening, please? I'm trying to get them to help us. I have Apple. It's cool. Could you please uh, rate us? You know, five stars would be awesome. Yeah. Um, whether you feel we deserve it or not, we'd appreciate it. And leave a little quick review. Uh, anywhere else you're listening... I don't think it really matters if you rate a review because they don't do the... the uh, but you can still do one. You can still do it, though. Yeah, share. Share it. Share be some awesome. stuff. We're almost up to uh, 1,200 listens total. Yeah, total. Yeah, so we are yeah. had a lot of new traffic lately, so uh, any new listeners we have, thank you guys for uh, listening. I hope you keep listening. Yeah. Uh, you can go back through. This will be our 27th episode, so there's a little bit of a library for you to start so digging There's 26 other ones. 26 other ones. Wow. Uh, and as we've talked about before, this is probably the last time I mention it, if you do go back and start listening to some of the older, the older ones, the episode numbers will be confusing to you, and that's because I have a broken <laughs> brain and I couldn't uh, uh, keep the numbers wrong. So we're here now. Yeah. This is what we're doing. So now we're on episode 27. We just like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. But this is a uh, podcast about uh, all sorts of things. True crime, paranormal things, uh, UFOs, cults. Strange, weird. The strange mysterious. and unusual. Yeah. And the mysterious. Unsolved mysteries. We get into it all. And we got something pretty cool coming to you uh, next month at the end of the month for Halloween. Our October 26th episode is going to be a little special. And yeah. we went... Somewhere today to film. We had a little day trip. We had a little road trip today. Just yeah. Me and Joel holding hands on the highway. That's so sweet. Air going through our hair. <laughs> our beards. Our beards. <laughs> we yeah. went to Point Pleasant. We went to Point Pleasant, filmed some stuff. So for our... our uh, <laughs> filmed some stuff. 
It's, it's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I already told you we were, you know, driving, holding hands. Yeah, and... we filmed some stuff. But we will have a uh, pretty cool episode coming to you October 26th with an accompanying little video. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we are also, as we've talked about before, working on a little project for YouTube that we're busy. We're slowly but surely yeah. getting things ha- the details hammered out. And sometimes it takes a couple years. Or 12. <laughs> or 12. No, there's, sometimes you're just in production for a long time. Yeah. We had to brainstorm. Right. And with us, that's, wow. like, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Wait. That's where the dancing comes into play. Right, we got free our minds. We got Native American dance, uh, some rain to us. So, uh, yeah, with that being said, this week is going to be uh, it's going to be a little change of pace because we're going to talk about a very recent story. Oh, uh, that is still unsolved to this day. I don't and, know what this is. Yeah, so. Uh, usually when I'm coming up, when I find I a story. I thought it was like 1500s or something. Yeah. And I was like, how does this even, any of this? It was 1700. It was eight, yeah. actually the year 1800. Is when I don't think that was a real year. Right. I mean, I've never seen any evidence. Prove that there was a year before 1979. I Prove that. I can't. It could all just be. I don't know of anything before 83. Oh, so. Well. Good luck proving <laughs> your extra couple oh, years. I got a birth certificate. Sure about you know. my birth. Can't fake those. Oh, yeah. I yeah. have seven of them, Joel. That's true. They all say something different. <laughs> but yeah, usually when I'm picking out a story to do, I try to keep it like pretty old. Um, but this one was really interesting to me. It caught my eye. The older the story, the sweeter the juice. I think that's not how that's said. I, I said it. You did say it, so it's a thing now. I guess it's out there. So the put older the story, sh- put it on a shirt. The sweeter the juice. Yep. But this uh, is a young story. So this one is going to take place, uh, it starts in 2016, and it takes place in uh, Canadian, Texas. Wait. Canadian, Texas. Right. All right. There's a town in Texas called Canadian. Canadian. Which is super Like, I've always weird. said that as a joke, like, just Canadian and... Yeah. I so mean, that's it's a... not like the Canadian Texas. Like, it's not like... Texas... I guess I used to say Canadia. Canada. So I'm not saying like Texas has like a little Canada that lives above yeah. it. This is it. No, there's a town in Texas called okay. Canadian. Canadian. It's a small town. Uh, as of 2000 or in 2016, it had a little under 3,000 people. All right. So not a very big town. Uh, it's in the Texas Panhandle. A lot of uh, oil, gas, uh, oil and gas money around there. Uh, pretty big political town and. Uh, Cattle town, so pretty typical Texas town. Yep, and we are going. Joe to Rogan does a podcast there now. He now is in Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. okay. It's Canadian. I don't know how far that is from Canadian. Uh, I feel like I was thinking about that though, and I think there's a uh, American. Like I think there's a town called American, like Pennsylvania, maybe. Yeah, I might be wrong. I'll be making that up, but I do think there's a town called American somewhere. So it's like not like a weird. To have Canadian, I guess now. it's not that weird. But uh, I tried to do like I did a little hey. bit of research on the town of Canadian, uh-huh. and I don't know how accurate. I'm not good at like knowing if something should be. Tr- Anyways, there's a <laughs> so apparently like there's a trail that runs through. There's like a river that runs through it, and the trails that run alongside that river 
were apparently used in like 1700 before uh, BC or like 1800 BC yeah. or something, 1600 BC. So, but I don't know how you would really know that. Like, I don't. Yeah, they wrote it on but like, cave why, walls. But they were like the way they worded it. It sounded too modern to have happened that long ago. Like the way they were worrying about what was being trans. Anyways, so I can't find a lot about the town of Canadian, but. 3,000 people, though. Like, 3,000 people. And we're going to talk about the uh, the story of 18-year-old Thomas Brown. 2016, you said? 2016. All right, Thomas Brown. In uh, November. So this was actually, uh, like, right before, I think it was, like, the night before Thanksgiving. I, I think it was right there around Thanksgiving. Uh, but 18-year-old Thomas Brown went to Canadian High School. <laughs> In Texas, and he was a football player. Uh, by all accounts from his mom, his friends, and everybody, really, really well liked. Uh, really good kid. Uh, seemed to have his head on his shoulders and all that. All that. Uh, yeah, just everybody got. He got along with everyone. He's a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy. So he lived with his mother, uh, Penny. She's a teacher in Canadian, uh, and he lived with the step. Her and his uh, stepfather Chris. His brother Tucker was home for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, this is, like, right there at Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving break. Uh, so it was actually Wednesday, November uh, 23rd. Uh, it was a pretty normal night. Um, at around 6 p.m., he told his mom, Penny, that he was going to go hang out with his friends, uh, Caleb King and Christian Webb. And he had recently broken up with his girlfriend. Uh, but Smart they were, man. They were still friends. All right. And he asked for his mom's debit card so he could put gas in his vehicle. Oh, mom. She gave it to him, and he uh, left for the night. So... Uh, she says that, uh, speaking of Dateline, she says that most, uh, or usually they would all, all the kids, Tom and his friends would meet each other uh, at one of the schools. They all park their cars there, get into one person's car, and then they just go drive around. Yeah. You know, what you do when you're that age. That small town like that. Is... Yeah. What else is there to do? So, uh, according to the Case File podcast, here is the timeline of events that night. Okay. So, around 6 p.m., uh, Thomas met Caleb and Christian at the Canadian Middle School parking lot. Thomas and Caleb uh, left their cars in the parking lot and got into Christian's car, and she drove them around that night. Uh, they ended up going to... Was that the ex-girlfriend by chance? No. Okay. The ex-girlfriend's name is Sage. So they go, uh, they drive around, they end up going for a walk on Canadian Wagon Bridge. This is like old, old-looking bridge. Uh, around 11 p.m., they decide to call it a night. She drives uh, Tom and uh, Caleb back to their cars in the parking lot. Uh, he's in a uh, Tom's in a red Dodge Durango, and he leaves the parking lot at 11:26 p.m. 11:28 p.m., he's seen on CCTV pulling up at a Franck Franck's Oil and Gas. Uh, the bank records confirm that he put gas in his vehicle this time. Okay. Uh, so, at Franks... Did he get, like, Slim Jims or anything? So, no, at... Just gas. At Franks Oil and Gas, uh, there are no there are no uh, attendants, there's no convenience store, it's just gas pumps. Oh, okay. Uh, surveillance footage, uh, which later show him pumping gas into his car, and Penny... Or, into his car, and Penny says that her card was swiped at 11.28 p.m. So, 12 a.m., comes around midnight and Thomas is his curfew uh, his mom begins to worry because it's really unlike him 
She says, uh, Thomas never missed curfew. He would even come home well before before curfew, and then he and his friends would just play video games. Uh, so she starts to try to get a hold of him. She texts him, or she calls him, texts him. Uh, oh, so scary. Yeah. And, uh... Because a parent. <clears throat> the text was not read. So around 12.10, she texts Tom again. Uh, once again, it's delivered, but it's not read. Five minutes later, she texts him again, and this time the message was unable to be delivered. Huh. Meaning that most likely his phone had been turned off. Uh, around this time, Tom's bro- uh, brother, Tucker, leaves their house and begins to drive around. Yep, starts looking, looking for him. him. I was going to say, that's next up. 1213, uh, so during the time she's texting him, around 1213, his phone emits the final ping on a tower. And this was in the location of Wildcat Stadium in Canadian. So that fits the timeline because she texts him at 1210, uh, waits five minutes, and when she texts him again, which would be 1215, it can't be delivered. Yeah. So his phone would last ping at 1213, be shut off then, and that's she can't get she can't even get messages to go through. So 2 a.m. rolls around. Uh, she calls the homes of Caleb and Christian to see if he maybe went over there for some reason. And sure. His phone's just not working. Uh, he's not at either place. Uh, she said that at this time she hadn't called 911 yet. And uh, since her husband is a volunteer fireman, uh, he, she got a hold of him, and he just gives her the direct number to the sheriff's office. So to skip 911, just call the sheriff's office. It takes somewhere around 45 minutes to an hour for somebody to show up. Jeez. So at 3.30 a.m., uh, Pine Gregory, P-Y-N-E Gregory. Pine. He's a Hemp Hill County Sheriff's uh, deputy. I love all these names yeah. and places. and so he arrives at uh, Penny's home, the home of uh, Penny and Thomas. Pine and, and Penny. Yeah. Uh, at her home. So Tucker, the brother. Yep. He goes. He gets in the car with the sheriff's deputy, and they start searching for him. So, uh, according to sources and Tucker and everybody, while they're driving around, Tucker notices that a uh, dirt road that is normally blocked off with a closed and locked gate. Uh-huh. Uh, the gate's wide open. And this is apparently unusual enough that Tucker thought, like, Tucker noticed it. Yeah. So he says, uh, you know, he kind of mentions it, but the deputy keeps driving. And then he, a little bit later, says, you know, he asks, hey, can we go back to that area? Yeah. Check that out. The deputy, that gate that was open? Right. The deputy refuses, saying that he uh, was getting off of shift soon and he wasn't going to do that. Oh. Yeah, so... He's probably tired. So around 6 a.m. they get back. They haven't found Thomas. They haven't found his car. They haven't found anything. So 8.40 a.m. that morning, uh, Christian Webb, the girl that was driving the uh-huh. that night, her and her father have a uh, helicopter. They have their own helicopter. Wow. So The Webbs are doing pretty good for themselves. Right. So they go up in the family helicopter. But I don't know if like Canadian currency is like different than American, right, like, so maybe... How much is a heli- how much is a Canadian helicopter? Bucks. It's probably like a couple geese with like a chair tied to them or something. With a stack of pennies <laughs> yeah. tied around their neck. All right, so they're they're in their own helicopter. So they're up there just flexing on fools, right? Uh, and they're looking, you know, they're going over the town of Canadian, looking <laughs> to see if they can find anything. Yeah. 
Uh, so around 8.40 a.m., they see uh, Tom's vehicle, the red Durango. Mm. And it was about four miles from Tom's home. Uh, it's found near where uh, sewage ponds are. And that's not... She says... Penny says that's not really anywhere that he would have been. Yeah, she the kids get to drive around. Yeah. You kind of drive around to be seen and see other people. and Right. As a, you know, as not a kid. Not just some random... Yeah. So, unless you're going to... And then you probably wouldn't go there by yourself. Yeah. Like... So, uh... Yeah, I guess if you're going to a spot like that, hopefully there's someone else with mm-hmm. you. Oh, wink! Because, you know, sewage ponds are <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> romantic. <laughs> Let's see how long you can hold your breath. Uh, missing from the car are uh, Thomas's phone, laptop, backpack, and keys. Uh, but all of and the... And Thomas. And Thomas. <laughs> all of the chargers for that kind of stuff, like the phone, whatever, yeah. that's all still there, though. Huh. So, like, it's not like he's leaving. He didn't leave, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, there's no sign of Tom. Uh, Bloodhounds would later track his scent to the Canadian River, about a mile east of where the vehicle was found. Uh, and then they stopped when they got to that area of the river. They lost the scent. So, it's later it's later revealed that around 1.30, or between 1.30 a.m. and 6 a.m., Tom... At least a truck matching the description of Tom's vehicle. Uh huh. It's pretty short. It's Tom's vehicle is spotted uh, at on CCTV numerous locations around Canadian. So it's all Durangos are pretty distinct, like yeah. a red Durango, I would imagine. Um, it's at five fifty six a.m. It's captured on footage from the Hemp Hill County Recreation Center. Uh, it turns off U.S. Route sixty. It heads east on Sixth Street. Enters the wastewater area. Drives up a small hill, parked in a remote area on the downside of the hill. Uh, but like on these CCTVs, they can't really see who's driving. No, so or... they no nobody nobody knows if that's where if he was the one driving or not. Yeah. Uh, but that's where around the Oasis Cove apartments complex is where the car is found. So uh, immediately they begin to search for Tom, and uh, it's abandoned on a dirt road that leads to a water treatment facility. Window was down, doors were unlocked. So, no sign of a conflict uh, or assault, abduction, nothing, any of that, says the Hemp Hill County Sheriff's Chief Deputy Brent Clapp. Uh, however, you know, they say no sign of a conflict, all that stuff, but a search of the vehicle showed that none of his belongings were in the car. Yeah. Uh, what was found in the car, though, was a blood droplet. So, a little droplet of blood and an empty uh, 25 caliber bullet. Wow. Uh, and a debit card belonging to Tom's friend, Michael Castleteen. Oh. Uh, and someone had urinated on the ground outside the vehicle. Now, the police, sheriff's office, everybody, they would never actually test the urine. Uh. Uh, also, when they searched the vehicle, they would not use gloves. So, bang up job right off the bat <laughs> yeah. by the police. Good, Good work, work, boys. Yeah. Uh, well, Thanksgiving break, you know. So there's just, I'm going to go get to the Michael Castleteen guy real quick. Uh, that's his, his debit card was found. So his in the debit truck. card's found. According to his mom, that's uh, not unusual at all. Uh, he's friends with them. He rides around with them often, and he often loses his shit. He's he a just dumb. leaves his shit yeah. around. So this wasn't. Kids, teens. This wasn't crazy. However, uh, shortly after this all happens, Michael Castleteen's father. Shoots himself in the head. 
Yikes. And there's been reports. His mother has come out and said that Michael Castletine's father did not use a 25 caliber gun to kill himself. Uh-huh. He used a 9mm. But other reports have came out and said, no, it was a 25 caliber gun. So it'd be interesting if Michael Castletine's card is found yeah. where a 25 caliber gun's been used to kill somebody he knows, and then his father turns around and uses the same caliber gun himself. himself. So the the two killings can be completely unrelated, but it does if his father used a twenty five caliber, it does connect the two victims by yeah. a gun. So again though, uh, there's a lot in this case that is a little iffy as whether it's the truth or not. So uh, like you said, the cops didn't really do a very Yeah. The best job collecting evidence. So the search of the vehicle by the police was very short, and uh, mo- that's just one of the things they did that's very questionable. But the police returned the vehicle to Penny, uh, Tom's mom, on the same day it was found. Well, uh, no forensic testing was done on the vehicle. Like, ah, oh, teenagers run away all the time. They I'm took- sure. Well, there you go. That's yeah. what the sheriff's. Uh, that's the first thing the sheriffs say happened. Like, without really doing any investigating, uh, they're just like, they tell his mom, he probably just ran away. Yeah. Like, that's, it's like he ran away. And she... Left all his chargers and she, well, she vehicle. Like, why would he run away? Like, yeah. there's no reason Why without why. his vehicle? How are you yeah. going to get anywhere? Um, so they did take the bullet casing, and they removed the blood. So... Uh, they drained the sewage, the water treatment plant where the vehicle was found. Uh, no body, though. They surveyed the 63-acre Lake Marvin that's nearby with sonar. Uh, and then they searched the Canadian River. Every search came up empty. The Lake Marvin search, they, they basically just wouldn't do anything other than sonar. Like, they wouldn't drag it. Yeah. They just kept saying sonar's good enough. I'll get it. Um, weirdly... Uh, randomly, and before they had actually found Tom's cell phone, the sheriff, his name's Nathan Lewis, he just up and asks Penny uh, for Tom's phone passcode. So, you know, he's asking that, and she's like, oh, have you found the phone? Well, no. Yeah. How mu- How long is this? After- does it say, like, how long after they found the car that she's... Uh, so, I mean, it's like, you know, within a week or so. Yeah. They're asking that. So, I start. I thought about because at first when I first heard this, like the context I immediately go to is that you know the sheriff's department's involved in this somehow. Yeah. They have his phone. They want to make sure there's nothing on it that's incriminating. Before they. Or just this one person in there wants to make sure there's nothing. Before anything's public. But then I started thinking too. Uh, you know, you could go the way of thinking that in their minds, because apparently what he asked her is, "Does anyone know Tom's phone passcode? Like any of his friends or whatever?" So oh, then yeah. the thinking would be, if a friend knows it, they would have been able to access it to turn it off. So you know, that's what I think. Maybe they want to know, like. Yeah. Who but then they end up finding the phone. So they do eventually find it. This is, but this is before they find it. He's wanting the, yeah, pass, he's uh, wanting the passcode, which is weird. That's kind of weird. Um, they end up creating a uh, online Facebook community called Moms for Tom, 
with the letter, with the uh, number four. That's still around if you want to go check that out. Moms for Tom. Uh, the page was created to raise awareness of Tom's case and to spread uh, the word throughout social media. So check that out. So two months after he disappears, uh, an electrical worker in North Plains spots a uh, wet and soggy backpack uh, on Lake Marvin Road. And it was on the other side of a barbed wire fence along the road that leads to Lake Marvin. Uh, the backpack was found nearly four miles from the spot search dogs lost trace. Oh. So that's probably what they're, the scent they got is from that backpack. Uh-huh. Um, according to a person named Tucker Brown, which I don't, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, oh, that's the brother. Brother, Sorry, yeah, you're going to say that's the brother. Had a, my brain froze there for a second. Uh, so he says... Mother Tucker. He says... Uh, uh, it, talking about the backpack, had to have been placed there after the fact. Because they searched that area. They searched it up and down that day and for looking days after. Looking for a backpack. Looking or for anything. anything, yeah. And they never found it. But, anything. I mean, knowing the backpack was missing, yeah, I'm sure so that was like... Two months later, they find this. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, he, uh, so Lewis, that's the sheriff, he says that it had an, an there's an indentation in the ground where the backpack was sitting... So it wasn't just put there. It had been there since it made an impression. Oh, he's a backpack scientist. <laughs> it was wet inside and out. Pages were almost molded at that point, said Lewis. Uh, but his cell phone wasn't in there. Uh, however, his uh, school-issued laptop was still inside but hadn't been used. And because of the bag's condition, it didn't provide any clues. Uh, one set of indistinguishable footprints led to the backpack. So, Penny is not made aware of this discovery of the backpack until five days after it's found. Damn. Yeah. So, at this point, Tom's family enlists the services of private investigator Philip Klein. Two months. From Klein Investigations. Um, he's like working on... they gotta on, know that they're just looking... I mean, I don't... I mean, you know... You can't expect good things after two months. But... With the way, right off the bat, like, they're not searching the vehicle. Yeah. Like, right off the bat, they're just not doing very good. Doesn't you know? seem like a big priority or whatever. Yeah. So, uh... Waiting five days to tell the mom. Now, this, now Klein, Philip Klein from Klein Investigations uh, is involved in another uh, very high-profile missing persons case, which is of a kid, a little boy, named uh, Dior Coons. And I don't know if we'll ever cover that one or not, but, like, uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, family probably did it, but no one knows for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. So, he, they work, client investigations works on that one, too. So, in October 2017, uh, Klein conducts a search around Lake Marvin Road, where, uh, near that the That's, like, 11, October 17, I mean, that's so yeah, 11 a, months a later. later almost, yeah. Yeah, almost Damn. a year later. Um, so he looks around, Klein Investigation starts looking around where Tom's backpack was found, and on October 14, 2017, they find a gun holster around that area. Uh, during the search, there was also a cell phone that was found. The lady uh, who found it took a photo of it and later told Penny that the phone she found was rose gold, which Thomas's phone was just plain gold. And... The sheriff's department has never actually shown Penny this phone. Uh, uh, it is, to this day, still at the crime lab, according, apparently. I mean, the rose, well, that was blood on there. And according to the sheriff, this is Tom's phone. But according to the lady that found it... It didn't look which, like... Which, 
uh, being out there like that would that change the color? I don't know if you if you should. I don't know what exactly rose gold and yeah. gold. I don't like. I don't know if I would know the exact difference. So you know, you just gotta assume this lady. Basically, this whole case is. Uh, you're either going to think the police have something to do with this, yeah, or you're not, and it's really easy to lean into the way the police have something to do with this. So, like, I'm trying to think of ways that explain their side of it, yeah, just for you know sake yeah. of argument. So, but being out two months in the sun and stuff, I mean, I guess that could change. Could also yeah. Change it. Um. So Penny doesn't believe that it's she doesn't believe that it's Tom's phone. Uh huh. Um. And she's thinking that. Uh, you know, this combined with the weird, random Sheriff Lewis asking for Tom's passcode yeah. seems a little, a little strange. Uh, so after months of conflict between the Sheriff's Office and Tom's family, uh, January 26, 2018, they, ha- they finally convince, or he just decides, I don't know which way it went, but Sheriff Nathan Lewis puts in a formal request to the Texas Attorney General... Uh, the- Texas Attorney General's office asking them to take over the uh, investigation. So, she, Penny had created a petition on change.org with the mission statement of, quote, uh, to leave no stone unturned and to bring to bear every resource the state of Texas has to solve the case of Thomas Brown. Oh, yeah. We respectfully request Hemp Hill County Attorney Kyle Miller and or Hemp Hill County Sheriff Nathan Lewis to turn the investigation and subsequent prosecution, if warranted, over the Texas Attorney General offices, and let's use our tax dollars to find Thomas rather than be an adversary of his family. So, yeah, she's not wanting the Sheriff's Department. She's already got a private investigator, but she also yeah. doesn't want the Sheriff's Department involved. So, well, they haven't done much in a year. <laughs> the petition receives over 10,000 signatures, and the case is turned over to the Texas uh, Attorney General's office. I thought you were going to say Texas Rangers. I was like, that shit's getting solved. Chuck Norris has arrived. So on January 9th, 2019, uh, human remains are discovered near Lake Marvin Road. The Texas Attorney General's Office, the OAG, and the Texas Rangers responded. Okay. So uh, following forensic testing on January 16th, the remains are identified to be Thomas Brown. Oh. Uh... The remains are found in an area that Klein Investigations had not been able to search for uh, because apparently when they tried to search there, the sheriff's office, who at this point has nothing should have nothing to do with this investigation, yeah. tells them that that site is off limits because it's a part of a current drug investigation. Even though Klein cannot find any thing to back this up, yeah, paperwork. And it or... seems very suspicious that the place they they find the body, they didn't want them. They keep them out of there. We definitely don't have any bodies here. Okay, just drugs. So, Move along. To make things even uh, more suspicious, the person who actually found the remains—that's what I was going to ask—who found the remains were the Hemphill County Sheriff's Office deputy Pine Gregory. Oh, Pine. And can you guess where he found them, though? Like, exactly? By, uh, in one of the sewer. Well, uh, remember the road that. Oh, yeah, where the gate was. The uh, open? So that's where they find the remains. 
And or he didn't want to go that he night because he he's almost off. So and he finds these on shift. He finds the remains. Yeah. On shift at two a.m. And when they ask him, or when he's asked, you know, why were you out in that location at two a.m.? Yeah. He says, "Oh, I was out there looking for deer antlers." Huh. But he's on shift. It's, yeah. And it's 2 a.m. It says dark, so it remains. Right. I, what, what would remains look like being outside for three years, you know? So. That's uh, so fucked. And the. Like, they get a guilty conscience, so all of a sudden he quote unquote found the remains. Them. So this is in January. Uh, it is a known thing that that year deer didn't shed their antlers. For another two to three months, yeah, uh, because of apparently a the weather conditions the year prior changed their guy named Pine should know that. <laughs> so there wouldn't have been antlers to find yeah. out there, and you don't go antler hunting in the middle <laughs> of the night. So, uh, yeah, there's a ton of shady conduct by the Hemp Hill County Sheriff's Office, who remember is no longer a part of this investigation, uh, and. Later, it would come out that there had been an incident between Tom and Sheriff Nathan Lewis before Tom disappeared. Uh, not like at the like right before that night, uh-huh. but earlier at some point. I don't they know, have a history. They have a history. So, according to the Unfound podcast, uh, Canadian residents have come forward since Tom's disappearance to tell Penny that they believe Nathan Lewis, the sheriff, had been harassing Tom. Uh, and then the former Hemp Hill Sheriff, James Pearson, had been in touch with Penny to uh, back up those claims from yeah. people around there. And he actually posted publicly about them, and he says that, uh, this is posted by him, to the citizens of Canadian Texas in Hemp Hill County, by now you are all certainly aware of a citizen's complaint against Nathan Lewis and of my means of handling the situation. The facts from my professional situ- perspective are the following. I received a complaint from a citizen who was concerned because Nathan Lewis had stopped her son and two other young men in downtown Canadian. This person knew that Mr. Lewis was out of his jurisdiction and wanted to know if I had been notified. I obviously had not been notified and knew nothing of this incident. Furthermore, the parents con- was concerned over the alleged mistreatment of her own of her son by Mr. Lewis. Uh, the mistreatment alleged would be best described by me as rude and unprofessional based on what I was told. The young men were detained, and one was allegedly detained and placed in Mr. Lewis's uh, patrol unit and questioned. Nothing nefarious was discovered, uh, and a courtesy call, quote-unquote, was placed to one of the parents. So he goes on to say a lot of other stuff. Yeah. But basically the sheriff is not even in his jurisdiction. Pulls them over. Pulls these kids over. Is a total asshole to them. Uh-huh. He never reports that he trip. did this. Like, that's something you would want to go to tell your superior, hey, by the way, earlier today, I wasn't yeah. in ju- our jurisdiction. And I- well, I mean, I figured they should make reports of all their stops. Yeah. Um, you know, have accountability. <laughs> so, going back to things that are a little suspicious here, like, you know, it takes them an hour to show up in the first place yeah. after she calls. Uh, you know, this is... Which, you know, at the time, 18-year-old kids, not home from, not home. But still an hour. It's not that big of a town if it's 3,000 people. I mean, it doesn't. 
Uh, and they drove by the gate that was open. the fact that the gate's unlocked, the road's you know not blocked like it usually is, and he doesn't want to go down there. Uh, they bring the car back. Yeah. Immediately, does they don't test it. Not wearing gloves or anything. Uh, with hardly any investigation whatsoever, the sheriff had called uh, Penny's husband, Chris, Tom's stepfather, and just told Chris that uh, he's pretty sure Tom just killed himself. <sighs> and he asks Chris not to tell Penny because he doesn't want to alarm her. But Chris goes and he's like, hey, this is what the sheriff just called. Yeah. But, you know, if he, this is before they find the body. So this is like right as the investigation started. And they've hardly done anything. He calls Chris and oh. says, hey, pretty sure Tom killed himself. Yeah, like this young Even kid. Even they don't have a body yet. Yeah, with his whole life ahead of him. Yeah. Totally killed himself. Uh, you know. Um, and they find a bullet. I got one of them cop feelings. Six they find senses. a bullet casing in the car. So apparently their theory is that he shoots himself in the car. And then he wanders off somewhere and dies. I mean, that's the only explanation. Like, yeah. So and there's no gun or anything that they find. They find a holster, but uh, ten days after Tom goes missing, uh, Penny is shown a. This is all just kind of uh, wrapping up the uh, weird conduct of the police. Uh-huh. A little summary of it. Uh, so Penny is shown a photo of Tom on the night that he's getting gas. Uh, Nathan Lewis, the sheriff, is the one that shows her this. And, uh, uh, Philip Klein, the investigator, he says that he's seen this photo as well. Uh, but Penny has always thought that the photo was strange because it seemed to her that it was taken, uh, by someone that was right up close with Tom, uh-huh. not from like a dash cam or CCTV. Yeah. Um, and now that she's brought that up, the sheriff, Nathan Lewis, he denies that this photo even exists. Ugh. And the Texas Rangers have never seen this photo either. So, you know, he, he tells her when he shows it to her, yeah, the uh, CCTV camera from the Dollar General gets him. Well, so if you, there's a picture online where you can go find the layout of this place. Uh-huh. And the Dollar General is a good distance from the gas station. <laughs> to be able to get a photo that Penny would think is up close... Yeah. It's not going to happen. When their cameras are just concentrated on their parking lot. Yeah, like why would it capture a parking or a gas station a little bit down yeah, beside that... them? Um, Something fishy and Canadian. So, also according to the Unfound podcast, uh, two sheriff's vehicles are seen on CCTV in the area where Tom disappeared right about the last time he was seen. Uh, none of the officers have actually admitted to being in this area that night. But the sheriff's vehicles are shown on CCTV at least eight times between 11.42 that night and 6.23 a.m. that morning. So they're out, and it still takes an hour for them to yeah, get. so they're out and around town. It, yeah. For some reason, it takes, yeah. Um, and then again, we've talked about Michael Castleteen and his father committing suicide. You know, so I don't know if, I don't know if the gun's confirmed. Without confirmation yeah. what the gun is, that's speculation. Um, but another weird part of that is that the sheriff's office reported Jeff Castleteen's suicide to the media before the medical examiner had actually released their findings. Jeez. So uh, either... They're putting suicide on people. Either they know that he killed himself somehow, or you know they know that he's supposed to... Yeah. They're going to say he killed yeah, himself. Yeah, someone wants you to think that he killed or himself. Or somebody in the medical examiner's, examiner's office has said something to somebody in the sheriff's department before they actually release the findings. Like, that could have easily happened, too. It could just be a... For a small town, that's just weird for two people 
So um, it's close time. Again, when it, after they found the backpack, uh, which had been you know two months after he disappeared, it then took Lewis five days to inform his mother about this. Um, and uh, at the same time that he, that, this is all around the same time they find the backpack. Uh, it's around the same time that he had called Tom's stepfather to tell him that he thinks Tom killed himself. Yeah. Around the same time, what he tells Tom's mother is that he just thinks that Tom has walked away from that he just, he just left town. He just force gumped it. He's like, ah, I'm going to start running. He just wanted to get out of town. Um, so Pine Gregory, the deputy, he's fired from Hemphill County Sheriff's Office oh, no. in May 2019. He had had a documented criminal past, uh, and but they didn't finally let him go until the county attorney had checked into him, and you gotta be a pretty bad cop to get thought fired. that he wasn't uh, credible. Um, he had been charged with uh, deadly conduct. He was actually uh, uh, let me see what else here had happened. Um, she says that, uh, so this happened on, uh, the night of August 15th, 2003. Uh, he says that he saw him and his wife saw somebody trying to get into their vehicle. Uh, he saw a vehicle driven by the victim that he's charged deadly conduct for drive by his house on one, one occasion that night. And then that person had pulled into his driveway, uh, the victim apparently had pulled over to the side of the road to let Mr. Gregory pass her when he started following her. Uh, he steps out of the vehicle, identifies himself as a police officer, orders her to get out of the car. She then states that Mr. Gregory pointed a gun at her <laughs> when he is ordering her to get out of the car. Um, he says he had the gun by his side, but he didn't point it at her. He had drew it, but he didn't point it at her. Yeah. Uh, officers arrive and determine that the victim was trying to locate... Uh, a different address altogether, and she'd just been lost. Yeah. That she works for Pizza Hut. She was out delivering a pizza. Uh, and she pulled into his driveway because she's lost. Just by chance, like to try to turn it. around or something. Um, She was only in that area uh, because she was lost again. Um, Nothing to indicate that she had attempted to do anything to his vehicle or his home, <laughs> and that he had no justification for what he did. So, yeah, this guy just decides, he just how goes, dare you turn around on my fucking yeah. driveway? I'm going to chase you down. He assumes that she's trying to steal from yeah. him. or I'm going to use, he's not even on duty, yeah. but he pulls her over in a patrol car. Jeez. Forces her to, tries to force her to get out of her vehicle. Has his gun, gun drawn. I Whether mean, he has it pointed out or Yeah, not. it's out. It's yeah. out of the hole. Yeah. Like, what the f- So, he's gone. He's fired. Good. Um, it kind of shows he has a bit of a temper. So, a Allegedly, allegedly, that's gonna be. We need to say, allegedly. Yeah, like this yeah. is a big. This is all. This alleged. is your story. I don't. This is my story. Yeah. No legal. <laughs> this is all alleged. This is what I'm finding on the internet. Uh, I'll call my lawyer right but after. But allegedly, this. volunteers had found a bucket of bones near Lake Marvin, uh, and were instructed to turn them over to the deputy. A bucket of bones. That's never been investigated, though. Yeah. And it's been reported that they don't find Tom in the best of conditions. Most likely, they say, because of uh, animals had got to him yeah. while he's laying out there. I mean, he's out there for a couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, 
On July 1st, 2019, Penny and the uh, Moms for Tom organization team, whatever, they put up billboards around Canadian, and immediately the billboards were vandalized. Because, and the, why people think they're vandalized is because it says there's a killer among us. Yeah. And that part's been cut out. Like somebody is taking it very personal. Yeah. They would be saying that. Um, and apparently a guy named Dr. Maloof Abraham uh, had a trespassing uh, charge filed against them. An arrest warrant was issued for him because he had taken two of the signs down himself. Uh, but the motivations for why he removed those signs are unknown. Some people are just crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, why would you take down a sign for a dead 18-year-old? Like, how can you not have, just like, yeah, like be that bad of a yeah. person? Like, let's find, why would, wouldn't you want to find out what happened? So in a Especially statement, for that mom. Jeez. Well, in a statement from Tom's mom, uh, she, on, this is August 21st, 2019, She's talking about, of course, the Tom Marone case, and this is these are the things she says. She has like a A to uh, J list here um, of all the things that ju- the justice has failed to do here. Uh huh. Um, so she says, please look back to June 2015 when Nathan Lewis was not with Hemp Hill County Sheriff's Office, but stopped Tom and his friends while they were walking and made Tom get in the vehicle with him. Uh, Mr. Lewis was a professional. He cursed at Tom. He failed to notify the Hemphill County Sheriff's Office that he had done this um, and was never reprimanded for his actions. Please explain why it took a deputy an hour and 50 minutes to respond. So almost two hours yeah. to respond. Uh, from the time dispatch was called to arriving at uh, his Tom's home, um, there were no other calls indicated that night. So they weren't busy in, with so anything. So they weren't busy with anything. Yeah, they were just all driving around. Uh, I'm Tom's, sure they were busy with something. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. So Tom's Durango is found at 8.45 a.m. on Thursday. No gloves are worn by officers gathering items in the truck. Urine is outside the truck area, never collected. Vehicles returned to Penny at 5 a.m. Five p.m. that same day. That's insane. So just no investigation on that. Um, Nathan Lewis, is, uh, the sheriff, he's telling family members of Tom that... He killed himself. Tom, well, not only that, but now he's saying... Oh, he just Along left. with that, he's also telling some people, well, no, Tom... The most likely scenario here is that Tom was actually secretly gay, and he ran off with an older man. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, then he starts telling, you know, and then sometimes he says no, it was a suicide. Other times he just says he just ran off. Just with throwing everything out there. Yeah. Just sounds like it allegedly. Um, you know, she says again, Tom's a good kid. There's, it's none of the none of the behavior is normal for him. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, she wants to know why she wants the deputy Pine Gregory to explain. Just exactly why he was looking for deer antlers on, you know, county time. Yeah. Why did you want to go check out where that, that gate was? Yeah. Man, I bet the brother is kicking himself for, you know, not just getting back to the house, getting his own car. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check out that gate. Um, you know, she wants to know why the uh, sheriff and his deputy deny, deny the volunteers and the private investigators access to searching the area where Tom's remains were yeah. found. Uh, where is that photo that she was shown? And if it's a drug area, like, yeah, why is he, like, out there looking for antlers in a yeah. drug area yeah. at night? Um, They're just bad liars. So, uh, let me see here. Um, so, then, you know, she puts on here that both uh, the deputy and the sheriff were being investigated by the Texas Rangers at this time. 
Oh, shit. So, uh, you know, she wants to know if these Stress investigations... Stress levels were high for him, I bet. Yeah, I mean, they, you know... The, maybe they didn't want any more complaints to come out. Yeah, maybe they didn't want more complaints to come out. So, uh, in August 2019, the Texas Attorney General's office announces that they're suspending the investigation uh, into the death... They said all of the evidence has been analyzed and no ruling into Tom's death could be made. Uh, wonder what happened that night. I mean, I'm sure they talked to the two friends he was running around with, but just if they had any interaction with the police they, that night or... Yeah, um, there's not a lot of information about that, but, like, according to, like, stuff I found, there's nothing... They, yeah. You know, they're just like, no, we just drove around just and right it was normal. Huh. Um, uh... Tom talked about being gay and leaving for this old with his older dude. There's uh, a I saw one thing that said allegedly. Uh, they the sheriffs approached, at least one of the kids, uh-huh. the friends, and said that they would need to request that they take a lie detector test. And when the person agreed to, yeah, that's fine, I'll take it. Yeah. They said, okay, don't worry about it. <laughs> that was it. That was the test. So they know that it's, I don't know if they just, you know, they already know that it, yeah, they have nothing to do with it. Yeah, because they so have waste something it. to do but, with it. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, that, that's one possible scenario, but that's kind of what it sounds like to me. Um, so according to, this is a quote from the Office of the Texas Attorney General. Uh, quote, throughout the investigation, evidence has been discovered and obtained by various agencies and thoroughly analyzed. There is no viable evidence that would lead a reasonable por- person to conclude that foul play led to the death of Thomas Kelly Brown. What? This included evidence to related to manner of death, cause of death, evidence, or evidence of a specific suspect. And they don't know how he died, right? They, did they say how were they so able to... They... I mean, was it a bullet? Or are they saying because he was so badly... Decomposing. So they're saying because of the decomposition, they yeah. can't tell. Oh, the, bullshit. Um, never, so, according to the Klein investigation, uh, what's his name, uh, Kenneth Klein, mm-hmm. Ken Klein, he believes that the bullet is still inside the skull of Tom Brown. Uh-huh. Now, this would be pretty easy to figure out, but for whatever reason, they've never done an autopsy. What? No autopsies ever been performed. Can the mom not like request one of those? Can she not like I get her know. own? I mean, I'm sure she's fighting for all of that to this day. Like, yeah. I'm sure that's what. Um, Klein Investigations puts out a press statement. Um, wow. They say, how if you don't do an autopsy, how can you say there's no foul play? Like, how do you know? How do they? How do they rule I mean, out everything? With them being so far away from from the car, if he did kill himself, what weapon did he use? Because yeah. I mean, no one's gonna find a weapon and not report the body. I wouldn't think. Like, so he. So he shoots himself in the head, and then they're saying that he hides the gun somewhere. Walks off. Yeah. And where's the gun? And dies later. And where's, and the, where's gun? the gun? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, from you know the attorney, the attorney general's statement basically saying we can't say it's a suicide or it's a murder. But I can say it's not suicide. The, sheriff, the sheriff's office has seemed to try to push that suicide narrative. Yeah. Pretty hard. Or uh, they're pushing everything. So Klein, Suicide, he just walked he off, he left with gay. an older man, yeah. Yeah, let's just throw it all at the wall, see if anything sticks. He's a werewolf, he's <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so Klein Investigations puts out a statement that says, um, this afternoon, uh, the family of Thomas Brown and law enforcement agencies, as well as the district attorney, met together in Pampa, or Pampa, I don't know which way, what it is, Texas, 
Uh, at this meeting, it was announced that the Attorney General's investigators were unable to come to a conclusion regarding the death of Thomas Brown. We would like to make it clear that the Attorney General's office was unable to determine that Thomas died from suicide or homicide. Therefore, they have made the decision, pending any new information or evidence, that their case is suspended. Uh, Klein Investigations and Consulting will continue to investigate this case by first going back and reviewing all evidence in the case. Yeah. We believe that this case is solvable and pledge to the citizens of Hemphill County and North Texas that we will work diligently to solve this case. I hope they can. Um, and 2000, in November 2019, they released another statement. This is an update. They say, good morning. We would like to announce that we have completed the overview of the evidence, interviews, and timelines regarding the Thomas Brown case. As the anniversary of his death comes in two weeks, we want to speak to you, the public, regarding such. We know what we say. We know what we're going to. We know what we will say is going to be controversial. However, we must be upfront and honest with you all. One, we humbly disagree with the findings of the attorney general's office regarding any suggestion of suicide. Yeah. We we have reviewed the evidence and we simply do not see it. However, we continue to gather information regarding this theory. Two, we are treating this case as a homicide. We firmly believe that the evidence points this way. Uh, today, we released the luminol photos and tests that we completed inside Tom's car Ooh. because they actually did an investigation of the car. Yeah. Who would have thought to do that? Hmm. Um, as well, we, we released to the public today the photos of the cadaver dog um, on Tom's car upon inspection of such. I don't know what that say it. So maybe a cadaver dog? Upon inspection of such, post-suicide by disposing of his body. We released to the public today the photos of the cadaver dog of on Tom's car upon inspection of such, post-suicide by disposing of his body. I don't, I don't know what they're... I don't know what that's supposed to say. Uh, the case is very fluid. We garner tips on a daily basis and work those tips 100%. We're dedicated to Tom's memory. Last week, lastly, we understand that a warrant or warrants uh, have been issued for the arrest of individuals that may have harmed signs regarding Tom's death. We have no comment on that as we are not involved. Again, we'd like to thank you, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, client investigations who have seemed to be doing more investigating than the police. Yeah, um, way more. They do not believe this is a suicide. Uh, and what about the luminol test? Said, so apparently uh, I haven't seen a lot. Like again, details since this is an since this is an ongoing. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff's not out there, but apparently there's more blood than what they originally thought yeah. in the car, which would mean somebody tried to clean the car. Sure. Um. So the attorney general's office, while they're doing this investigation, they had suggested two client investigations allegedly. Or they had, they had suggested this to somebody, but uh, client investigation says it was this is what they were suggesting. Allegedly, they're suggesting that Tom, the night Tom disappeared, he had been googling on his phone in privacy mode for suicide hotlines. So client investigation hears this. What? And he contacts Apple. Yeah. And asks them about it, and they inform him that there's no way that anyone could know what he was searching for. In privacy mode, because it's private. Yeah, they're just like. Is there privacy mode? They're yeah. I didn't get that on my phone. Yeah, they just say, well, the attorney general's office wouldn't be able to know that. Yeah, because if he's searching in privacy mode, they're they can't talking find out that. their ass again. So, like, you know, 
if there's Google search history for that, that's one thing. Yeah. But they added in that he was... You Google they, they privacy, just, Google search for suicide hotline, and uh, older bears. <laughs> in my area. <laughs> uh, again, never, you know, no autopsies ever performed. Uh, that's the craziest thing to me, that they wouldn't even perform an autopsy. Yeah. So that's pretty much where this case is at. Damn. As of right now, that's where let's, this case let's is Let's go at. to Canadian, Texas. I mean, I... You know, you got the deputy showing up. He doesn't want to go. You know, he ignores the brother's thing at first. Then he's like, I don't want to do that. I'm getting off my shift. <laughs> like, we're, miss- a long we're night. searching for a missing person, man. I had to move a dead body tonight. I just want to go home. Maybe you relax. put some overtime in on this Allegedly. one. Uh, you know, he's got both him and the sheriff have histories of misconduct. So, uh, you know, the, the phone passcode thing's a little weird. It just seems like a lot of the things that happened, allegedly, yeah. if all of those events are true the way that they've been reported, it does seem very suspicious on the sheriff's yeah, office. Yeah, it does. So, like, did, uh, you know, did somebody pull Tom over that night? Tom maybe gets a little mouthy. I mean, with, you know, if someone's happens. being a dick to him, maybe he's had enough. Gets a little mouthy, gets... I mean, somebody, you know, one of the, uh, you know, this guy's already, I mean, the one guy proves that he's just going to pull his gun out. Right. So what uh, right. guns out and just, I mean, anything going to happen. I mean, 18 year olds, I'm not trying to paint Tom, you know, as like an angel, but I mean, he obviously, whatever happened, he didn't deserve that. Right, but I right. can see being 18 and just fed up with local fucking police shit. Yeah. And just be like, you know, you just got to hang out with your friends. You got gas. You're trying to get home. Your curfew's at like, midnight. Man, I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to get home. Yeah. Can I just go home, you know, and just. The yeah. more that he would do that, some asshole cop, you know, is not gonna let that happen because that's how he gets off. He's got to, you know. Or there's never been an autopsy or anything, so maybe Tom and his friends did. Maybe they drank a little bit. Yeah. Maybe they smoked a little pot. You know, you don't know what an 18 year old kid's sure. actually doing. So maybe the cop, maybe there is something that he has a reason to be pulling Tom over. Yeah. But you know, then maybe Tom does get. He's dumb. He's stupid. He tries. Right, yeah. He's a young kid. Maybe he, he says something. Or tries to his run. Or, yeah, just fight him or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very suspicious that the fucking deputy's the one that stumbles onto the body. Yeah, like the police randomly. behavior after the fact is what's just. They were behaving like they already knew what happened. Not and there was no gloves, reason for them yeah. to put forth the effort. Like, they didn't need to put forth. They didn't need to do the investigation because they know. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, asking the kids, asking the friends, like, hey, we need you to do a polygraph. They say, okay. And then they go, oh, well, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, we got nothing to hide. Like, yeah. oh, shit, well, in that okay. case, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's that the good. case. Tom Brown. It's a um, bad one. But it bad was, one. I mean, it was a good one. Yeah. Hopefully, that's one I'm definitely going to be keeping updated on. Um, Try to get some answers. I've been, I do a Google search here and there for it, see if there's anything, any yeah. new updates. But a lot of uh, unsolved stuff right now. That's happened over the past couple of years. COVID, ha- you know, that's something you don't really think about. But the COVID yeah. thing has really fucked up a lot of Grinded investigations. Down, um, yeah. yeah, like tri- uh, trials have been put on hold. You know, court appearances have been put on hold. So, like, a lot of these investigations are kind of at a standstill. Corona. Yeah, so it's been a lot more. Thanks than, a lot, Corona. Than making you just wear a mask when you go to Applebee's. Yeah. You know? Barb. Yeah, uh, you know, go to the uh, Moms for Tom Facebook page if you want to keep track of it through that. Um, 
or just you know Thomas hopefully they, Brown. they get some answers for her yeah yeah and the it's brother like and you just said the family man, not doing an autopsy that's crazy how do you how do you how do you not uh, and, and I don't know how you come out and say I mean maybe they're like oh well, he was badly confused by animals like he, the science is there you can, you still, can still open them up and find out a lot is of his shit head still there yeah look look at his fucking skull then yeah. like, did he shoot himself in, like is the gun you know is the bullet in the head like find out where the bullet is. Yeah, so I'm sure they can find out the like you know the trajectory of mm-hmm. lo- of the bullet. Yeah, it doesn't look like it actually somebody was holding it to the head. Like, yeah, was it his own arm holding it. They can look at. Yeah, yeah, they can figure stuff out. So I watched CSI. I know I've seen it. Works. Yeah, yeah. So the guy gonna, takes, the guy, fool me. CSI Miami. That guy takes his sunglasses off oh, before he says well. stuff. Yeah, Mr. David Caruso. That's right. Uh, you know he tried to. Uh, so he's on. He was on NYPD Blue. Uh huh. Back when it was. Edgy, yeah. Whatever, and like he was a pretty popular character on it, or sure. whatever. And then he decides, I'm a, mo- I'm, I'm going to be a movie star. So he, yeah, that was he that tells bad the show movie. to fuck off. Yeah, and he goes and he makes a really shitty movie. I can't remember the name of that shitty I movie, but movie. I watched it because I was like, damn, it's a on a movie. But he comes back to CSI. My- he comes back to TV yeah. and gets the CSI Miami role, <laughs> and just although he is in a, what he is in maybe my top three horror movie of all time. What's that? Session nine. I think I've seen. I think it, I had you take that home and watch it once. Yeah, I don't the, uh, people, much about it's it. It's like a cleaning crew go into a, a mental asylum. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I do remember. It's one of my favorite. I remember it's very like a psychological it. thriller. I love yeah. it. But yeah, so his his acting career was not landing the CSI Miami thing was pretty good for him though. It's worked out well for sure. Crusoe. So yeah, man. Uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's some answers at some point. The Klein investigations. Uh, you know, it seems they're like still on. They're it. the ones doing the work at this yeah. point. So. Like you said, they're not going to release a bunch of stuff until right until they actually know something. Yeah. So, uh, so good job getting information on this. Yeah, so good that's work, one to Josh. keep your eye on. We will be back, and uh, uh, we we will now be posting episodes every other Monday. I forgot to yeah. mention that last episode. So every other Monday, you can find a new episode. Maybe I'll be bringing the next story. You will actually. <laughs> Maybe allegedly. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, the next story will be brought to you by Joel. Allegedly. So, uh, it's like one of those things where I'm like, sure, I'll do it. Then the night before, I'm like, ah. Yeah, if you decide to. Let's do a Greatest Hits if episode. If you decide you're not going to, I need a little bit of notes. <laughs> no, I'm um, going to do it. Yeah. And then you guys got to watch the Netflix doc, so. After that, we will bring you our uh, Halloween special, cool. basically. And that one's going to be tackled by both myself and Joel. Yep. We'll both be arriving. We're double teaming the Mothman. With information. You just gave it away. Oh. That's all right. Shit. Leave it out. There you guys go. <laughs> We're going to be doing a big old Mothman episode. Fuck. So we already said we went to Point Pleasant. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty easy if you know Point Pleasant. It's not known for yeah. much. So we're going to be doing else. a Mothman episode. Shit. Uh, we'll be covering a whole bunch of aspects of yeah. it. Mostly the Richard Gearing. <laughs> That's going to be the big. That's my end of it. That's, That's my what we're going to tackle head on, though. I'm a gearhead. What did Richard Gear have to do with Mothman? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what was his role? Oh, there's this? a role. That's the real mystery. That's the meaty role right there. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for listening. Yeah. Uh, if I find uh, updates, if I get updates on the Thomas Brown case, uh, you know, keep an eye on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I'll uh, make sure I post those. Um, but, yeah. So, you got anything else before we got here? As always, you know, just, just fly high. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. And if, you know. You need $5 and you don't got it. Just wait around till you find a 20. Sure. You know, like I always say. Yep. 
All right, until next time. Give me $10. I can't find the stop button. <laughs>